0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to It's A Paradox. It's Oslan here, your host for today's episode. This is the first episode of a three-part series with Bilal and Corbin. They are going to be talking about behind the glass, but more specifically, the perspective of the drive team in the various Team 1325 matches. Bilal is a member of Team 1325 for over nine years, and the head of robot design and strategy, and also the drive coach. Today, he is a software engineer at Sun Life Financial, and has a computer science degree from the University of Waterloo. Corbin was a driver and a mechanical lead who graduated in 2019. Today, he is in the Honours Bachelor of Game Design degree at Sheridan College. I highly encourage you to stay tuned for the next two episodes. So without further ado, I'll pass it over to them.
1: Hey everybody my name is below um i was the drive coach of 1325 for three years in 2015 2017 and 2018. i did the head of game strategy for two years as well so um did a lot of training of drivers um so yeah that's me corb you want to for yourself
2: yeah hi and uh, i'm corbin so i was an operator for one year in 2017 and i was a driver for two years in 2018 and 2019 uh, as well as i've also drive coached uh, during off-season events um, um, and, and so, namely, both for both of us, the 2018 was our Ontario District Championship run, and so we both have uh, experience during that. Uh, I don't know if that win,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Me and me and Corb, I drove Coach Corb for for close to two years, so <laughs> he definitely knows me quite well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, today we're just gonna pretty relaxed. Um, we're just gonna talk about 1325s drive team, how we select it. Um, how practices go, and then we might break down some matches about kind of what was going through our head and um, important parts. Uh, one thing I want to start with this podcast, um, if anyone listen to my other podcast, um, you're probably going to know I'm going to say a bunch of controversial stuff. Um, everything that I say here, it's what works for Inverse. It's what's worked for us really well. Um, there's no guarantee if any other team copies it that you'll get the same results as us. You probably won't, um, but this is a good way to look into why we make certain decisions that we do. So, yeah and also corb if i say anything like really controversial feel free to be like stop
2: <laughs> i'll keep an eye out
1: cool um so yeah we can we can jump right into 1325's driver recruitment process um so yeah i think to a lot of people's um like shock maybe even you corbin when you were like trying out for drive Team, is like 1325 really doesn't have any formal process for bringing bringing in new drivers like i think this is a sign-up sheet at some point like you remember
2: yeah. So, um, I mean, it's definitely mostly about, uh, commitment and just kind of showing yourself and your willingness to, uh, commit to the team. But, uh, of course we do have, a, uh, I'm sure that there's many people on the team that are interested. And so we do get a formal sign-up sheet to f- like, see who actually is interested. Right. Um, yeah. and, and then kind of test them from there. Right. But
1: yeah, totally. Like, yeah, the, the number one thing we've never have, have had like, brand new students, um, whether you are joining grade 10, grade 11, grade nine, um, on Drive Team, we almost always require you to have at least one year's experience um, on the team because it's, it's really hard for a new student to understand what a competition really is um, and what you kind of have to go through um, to prepare for one until, until you're there. So yeah, for the most part, we just like look at students who, who are really committed to the team, they're working hard. Um, and then from there, that's when the kind of formal process of, of joining Drive Team starts. Yeah, um, so I think, Corb, yeah, you started, when was the first off-season event that you drove?
2: Um, In 2016, I think it was a Fall Fiesta.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, well, you were in grade 10, man. <laughs>
2: I, I was in grade 9.
1: Oh, you were in grade 9 when we drove <laughs> you? Wait. I take back everything. No, no, I, wait,
2: that's the fall. I think that was the start of grade 10. Oh, yeah.
1: so you were just the start of grade 10, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, 1325 for sure, like, uh, speaking about sign-up sheet, yeah. After that, um, we kind of pick people to get a chance to drive our, our, our off-season events, um, even if we know that we don't aren't looking for a new driver. So, like, I even think in 2016, when you drove, like, Kyle was still going to be our, our driver for that year, right?
2: Yeah. Um, that was pretty sad and Stoney still had another year uh, left on the team. Um, but I think you guys were trying to just look for, because uh, our, our operator was graduating, right? Or, or uh, you just needed someone else, right?
1: Yeah, so I think mainly what we were looking for is because like Kyle, Kyle was coming up to graduation, right? We never want a driver to leave the team and then us be stuck with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the goal was, yeah, we were looking, we were looking for people who would eventually take over Kyle's role as driver. So in twenty sixteen, we basically told Kyle to to sit out all the off season events, um, and yeah, we trialed, I think it was you, Kush, and um, Clayton. Yeah, yeah, all of you guys got a shot. And like one thing on thirteen twenty five is like we really love to. To throw people into different positions um and try different things uh just to get a feel for like who would be good and what and then looking even like and when you tried out as driver we were looking almost a full year um into the future to try and get you um the experience and see whether you would be a good fit
2: yeah i mean like off seasons we it really is just for us to uh practice with and get um, new people practice with stuff right we're not too serious i don't think anyone takes it too seriously and so (laughs) we have like no need to put in our our main driver and we might as well get something out of it right with uh people getting experience even if they just want it for fun right um
1: yeah totally um and also like off-season events are the first time that we actually trial someone's ability to actually control a machine um like the the sign-up sheet in the shop like we never do any kind of like course or i know a lot of teams do stuff like that but for us there's no real point we just run it in off seasons because like someone could be really awesome at running like a zigzag course but then come a match um where there's so many different factors going on um they could really start to struggle so we yeah. don't even bother with that we just yeah
2: like i think like we at least on inverse we would we prefer people that are like committed but don't necessarily like uh show ability right away rather than uh someone who is might be naturally talented or something uh but uh, isn't isn't willing to put in the, the time and and show their commitment right
1: yeah totally no offense corb but like i'm a big 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 believer and you can train anybody to drive a robot pretty well yeah exactly Um, yeah yeah. (laughs) not saying that you weren't talented bud but (laughs) um
0: so yeah uh,
1: yeah practice we'll get there um yeah for 1325 what we kind of look for in drivers we kind of touched on this a little bit was like we look for commitment to the team it's honestly one of the biggest ones um, and then we start looking at like other kind of, I wouldn't say like motor related skills, but more like mental things, such as ability to handle pressure. Um, so usually at this point you've been on a pit crew, um, the ability to adapt to new scenarios, and then technical ability. Technical ability is a pretty big one, Corb, If you want to talk about this a bit.
2: Um, yeah. So like um, it, when when you when you join the team, you usually get to uh, put on a sub team mostly, and that's where you focus your. Your kind of energy and so uh if you gain a lot of experience in that role and then you can it kind of just uh, like you learn about the robot and how the robot works and that becomes especially important during matches when you're trying to to do something or something goes wrong and you can really understand what what the robot is doing how it's working it's kind of like uh from programs it's like bug fixing your own code versus someone else's right
1: yeah and also drivers play like a really big part in helping design the machine that they want. Mm-hmm. So for 1325, um, we always pick our driver before the season begins. So yeah, come January, come kickoff, we know exactly who's going to be controlling the machine starting in the season. Um, and usually we will look to the driver to answer questions about how we're going to guide the design in terms of like, mainly drive drivetrain. So whether you want it to be really sticky, whether you want it to be super maneuverable, um, all sorts of all sorts of things there. And like having a good technical ability, having a good strong idea of what you can and can't do when it comes to building the machine is like super helpful. I always say that it's like a good driver can make um, a really good robot, but a really good robot won't make someone a really good driver. Um, So yeah. And then the next one is for sure, ability to take constructive feedback. So Corb knows this, but like when you're a driver, you need to be able to take feedback from practices and from matches um yeah corb you're probably better to talk about this than me i was always the one giving the feedback
2: <laughs> right i mean yeah, yeah it's just you know it's uh, it's not personal right it's a comment about the the move and not you and you kind of have to just focus on improving right that's what you're doing the practice for there's no point if you're already perfect um so right there are, i don't know right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're doing practice to improve and so then you might as well look to where you need to improve, right?
1: Yeah, totally. We on 1325 do a lot of things to help the driver improve. From practices, we will occasionally time cycles um, to see whether we're moving in the right direction. Um, And then mainly in-game, we will actually record. Usually the person in the media box will have a tablet and we'll actually just be focusing on our machine. Um, So then after the match, if needed, we don't do this all the time, but if, if we noticed something, the drive coach and other strategy people will we'll go through it with the driver break it down and see you know what we can do better
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think a, a pretty big one corp do you remember like a, any moments where i think yeah i remember 2019 um we broke down i think i don't know if it was super helpful like so i bet you can answer that but we broke down a lot of defense being played on us um to see how we could do that better
2: yeah i mean like um in terms of regular gameplay, it like it was useful to watch, but um, like, I didn't find myself improving that much just from watching regular gameplay. But yeah, getting defense, um, definitely because like every time you get defense, you see something kind of new, right? And so, um, it's kind of just about learning different strategies and approaches to it that you can uh, implement to get around it.
1: Yeah, totally. We'll we'll come back in, in, in a little bit to talk about like how thirteen twenty five specifically plays offense. Um, I don't know if I probably should say that, but uh, I mean, I think if you watch our matches, you'll notice. So it's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then able to handle the time commitment. So thirteen twenty five, especially when we had a practice field, we were a little nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think our I think our practices were were totaling after the robot was created. So this was probably around week. We like to wanted like we would always want to start practices in like week five, but we'd always start practices like week seven. Um, so yeah, like we were we were probably hitting close to twenty eight hours of, of practice per week.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because then we get the, the competition robot done first, uh, and then we get our practice robot to work to work with and put through its paces.
1: Yeah, from a from a drive coach lens, um. I know a lot of teams handle this differently, but like when I was drive coach, it was really important for me to be at practices. And I guess we can talk about this now, because um, yeah, a big a big part of being a drive coach is like 90% of it happens off of the field. Um, you know, drive coaches, at least on 1325 are really in charge of developing our drivers, making sure the machine can do what we want it to do um, and knowing the exact limits of everything. Um, so as, as a drive coach, it was always, Really important to be present at practices um, to not only see whether your drivers are developing in the right direction, whether you're practicing certain things, um, and all sorts of stuff, and then come competition time. Knowing the limits of your machine is like really, really important. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, working with the the whole drive team is useful to build kind of the sense of chemistry where you all know everyone's um, abilities and their like habits. Um, and so like, if you like, w- when we do our practicing, we do it very rigorously, um, you build a deep understanding of, of each other and uh, and what and what they will, what they might do. And so it becomes super easy to work together.
1: Yeah, um, Corb, do you think that would be a good time to just like talk about the different roles? So driver operator and then we can talk about drive coach? Uh,
2: Sure, so um, I always say that the driver's role is more than just driving the robot. Um, because right, as we said, they're a key member in the robot development uh, and decisions. Um, and so, like specifically, a knowledge of all aspects of the robot is very useful during the match. Again, if something goes wrong, uh, very far too often we see teams have something stop working uh, and they have no idea how to fix it. Or they're looking at their laptop trying to figure out what's wrong. Um, and so, when, when I've been behind the glass, we've typically been able to quickly diagnose the the problem within a couple seconds and and figure out if we can solve it or if we have to adapt the game plan
1: oh yeah i've seen the number of times you like full send it on defense because something's not working (laughs) yeah yeah there's like yeah like honestly most of the time the drivers don't even stop when something goes wrong like when something goes wrong they'll like cool something went wrong and then just switch to something else you'll never see like downtime on the robot Mm-hmm. Um, when it's on the field is i mean unless it's like totally dead um <laughs> yeah like that, that was another thing like i always like to like co- when, when coaching is like never be afraid to break the machine that's not your problem um when, you, when you're on the field like you'll see often like way too often teams will like hold back a little bit or like something broke something's broken and they'll like completely stop out of fear um and i mean like maybe that it depends on different teams and their ability to fix things but like on 1325 we we never we never worried about that like if the we we i think it was like 2018 championship when we were doing like the double hangs right we we're going up like next to each other mm-hmm. um remember jonathan who was like in the pit and i was like yo we might break it like every game double climbing but it's fine you have 30 minutes to fix it and He like hated me not that competition <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like ne- never if you can get performance out of it and it might you're potentially risking a little bit of damage i mean depending on your ability to fix it it's always it's always worth it because you can never replay a match right um you only get 10 of them and even one of them going wrong one of them being a loss can can end your competition so
2: yep you have two minutes and 30 seconds in a match uh, and wasting some of that on uh, not knowing what's wrong or going slower uh isn't the most effective use of your time Right. You should uh, try to adapt as quickly as possible to the most effective game plan with your current situation. Um, and another thing I like to bring up with drivers is uh, how professional you need to be because you become the face of the team. Um, not only in you showing up when um, when like driver introductions, team introductions during matches, uh, or when you're driving, right? Because your performance during a match is directly rep- representative of the team. Um, and so it becomes kind of, there, there is a sense of pressure, right. In order, you want to showcase the work that everyone put into the robot, um, and kind of make it perform to the best that it can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I always think like first robotics is such a misleading term because they're not really robots, right? They're robots for the first 15 seconds. And then even like in 2019, they weren't even robots in the first 15 seconds. Um, so like, that's the thing, the driver, like. The driver is at the end the person who will make you do really well or do really poorly. Um, and obviously there's systems in place that you can put to ensure the driver's performing at their best, but ultimately they are the face of the team. If the driver decides to not touch the controller, the robot's not gonna do anything. Um, so putting in effort and putting in, you know, giving practice time and ensuring that the ro- the driver's performing at its best is like huge. It's like the easiest way to get a lot of performance out of your robot. Um, like, yeah, we'll talk, a, I'm pretty sure we'll talk about this in a little bit, but yeah, I'll, I'll wait. But Yeah, absolutely. Drivers are are one of the most important parts of the machine, even though they aren't part of the machine.
2: Yeah. It's definitely a, a sport and they're a driver, definitely an athlete of sorts, or it's, I don't know if it's closer to esports than regular sports, but yeah, totally. Um, and so if we move on to the operator and looking at uh, what they do. so. Really, their goal is to become the driver's second brain, um, as there are usually too many controls for one driver to manage during a match, and so the operator will have access to those uh, other controls, and will usually also have access to manual overrides uh, when sensors or systems fail. At least on our
1: team, um, I mean, for the most part, we try and give the driver like the driver. We do our best to give them control of almost everything. Um, so yeah, I. Corb, do you remember the split? I think it was like something like probably like 60, 40, 70, 30, like in terms of the controls the the driver had versus the operator.
2: In which? Um, in, in 2018, um, Robert, our secondary, had like all of the controls that were driving almost. Um, because, I don't know, uh, it's just the way the way that that, that game worked out. But then in uh, 2019, um he had all the controls for basically moving our, our elevator and our arm, but I had the controls for actually placing the, the stuff on the on the target because um, I I knew best when it was on uh, as I could tell and kind of feel the robot itself. Yeah, right, it's like just the, just feeling it, feeling it out, and feeling who should have which control.
1: Yeah, I think like for the most part, we do our best to give like drivers like obviously they have control of the drivetrain, but like we try and give them things like intakes and scoring um just because since they're moving the robot they best know when to grab the game piece or when to release the game piece mm-hmm. um yeah i think in i think in 2018 it was it was weird right because the scale was just so dynamic that i think corp or um robert also had the had the shoot button basically right to get yeah. the cube
2: out the, the, the thing is about that one is i would not have been able to manage moving the the robot while it's up and like moving the elevator um, mm-hmm because like when it's up and our center of gravity moves up, it, it becomes a lot harder um, to drive like that. Um, yeah. But uh, also w- with practice, um, the goal is for the secondary to know what the driver is going to do before they even do it. Because um, uh, the operator can usually perform time-sensitive actions more reliably than the driver, right, who else has to focus on piloting the robot. Um, Namely, in twenty sixteen uh, in Steamworks. Actually, no, wait, twenty seventeen Steamworks. Uh, when I was operator, um, I had control of ejecting the gears onto the peg uh, and intaking it and stuff, and so I, I was able to kind of recognize when the when the peg was good more than uh, Kyle could, where he was just kind of feeling his way. And so we were able to make this really really quick uh, dynamic uh, drop off. Um yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of the uh, uh, the cooperation between the the two and the subconscious knowledge of what each other wants to do, and it totally. just comes down yeah. to practice once
1: again. Yeah, a really big part. Like uh, uh, one thing that I tried to foster a lot on the drive team was communication. I know you guys loved it, right? But even in practices, <laughs> I would try and have like primary and operator like audibly saying what they were doing um, to give them the ability to to actually communicate with each other while driving the robot, right? A really like, it's awesome. I know closer to the end, like championship, you guys could probably do it without speaking to each other, mm-hmm. um, but especially in the beginning, right? It was really important for you guys to be talking through what you were doing so you can get that feel and get that rhythm, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what the drive coach does um, and then we can circle to kind of talk about practices and stuff like that. Um so the drive coach all kind of said this before is to guide practices. Um, make sure the right things are being practiced, and make sure the drivers uh, make sure the driver's performance is slowly improving, and then give constructive feedback, whether it be during a practice, after a comp, or during a comp. Um, yeah, funnel information to your drive team. So this is this is a really big thing because there's a lot of members in your team, and obviously they're very passionate about how the machine is doing in matches, right? So you can often end up in a situation where there's a lot of people t- trying to talk to the driver, give them feedback. Um, So the drive coach kind of acts as a funnel for that information. So I was always open, you know, if you had feedback, come talk to me, don't come to talk to our drivers and I will funnel the relevant information down. Um, And I mean, 1325, at least, like we have a lot of data, which is coming through, we scout our own matches. Um, We have videos of just our robot, we have the full field video. So usually we had a lot of ways of analyzing a driver's performance in any given match if we needed to. Um, Yeah, we did our best to not... Just randomly analyze matches when things were going well. Um, just because then you start to nitpick. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, Corb, anything to add there?
2: No, I think, but I think that uh, um, avoiding nitpicking is is a good point. Um, like if it's going well, there's there's not much point to kind of put yourself down a little bit, right?
1: Yeah. Um, the next thing was setting realistic expectations. So the drive coach on thirteen twenty five, at least the drive coach does not do the game strategy. Um, they just don't have enough information. They're not watching enough matches. Um, they don't have enough data basically to make a good plan on what to happen. They're not really seeing what other teams are doing as well or how the game's evolving. They're really just really focused on the, the robot, the drive team and in-game decisions. Um, so we usually have an entire separate team that does it. However, the drive coach does go to um, pre-matches with the strategy team. And basically as a drive coach, you really only say like two words during that entire thing which is yes, we can do that or no, we can't do that um we're really just there as the gauge of like whether or not something that's being planned is actually feasible for them to do um so for example you know teams will be like oh yeah you guys can climb in like three seconds and we'll be like hold up wait <laughs> no we can't do that like we can try but um it's not a hundred percent that that can happen um so it's a really drive coaches being there is really just comes down to it. since they're at practices they know everything that their drive team can do they know everything that the robot can do um so making those Um, decisions on whether they can or can't do that. It's pretty important. Um and then yeah, in-game in-game strategy. So this is where most people see what the drive coach does. Um, And honestly, it's pretty boring. (laughs) 90% of the time you really just follow the plan, right? The in-game strategy has been drawn out. Um, On 1325, we think of like three or four scenarios that could potentially happen. Um, Usually it's like they send a defense robot. If they send a defense robot over, do this. If they don't send a defense robot over, do this. Um, so ninety percent of the time you're just following whatever set up plan it is. Um, yeah, I might go on a side ramble here, Corp. Um, but yeah, my the thing that always gets me like every single time is because like you know when we go up against quarterfinals teams, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like they're always like three really good offense robots. Like they, all three of them can like like score, right? <laughs> and every single time they send this one robot over to play defense, and I'm like. You know, I'm mean, like, I I'm not complaining because that's good for me, but it's always like, why did you send that robot over? Because now you're basically 2v2ing us. So whether, you know, whether we're like four or five or two and three or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. um, It's like, why are you trying to 2v2 us? <laughs> Play the odds, right? If you ran triple offense, you have a decent shot at taking us out because you have the option of running triple offense, right? We mm-hmm. definitely don't. <laughs> And yeah, it, it always it, bothers me. <laughs> it
2: it's it just a matter of playing to your strengths, right? They if know yeah. like by the by the time it gets to a eighth or seventh or whatever seed, there there is still three good offensive robots left, right? And so when it comes back to whatever three to one, it's usually yeah. uh, defense bots left. And so if you can play to the, your your strength there, and that's kind of your what your team comp yeah. is built
1: around. This, that it's yeah. always my thing. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it really just comes down to that. It's like play to your strength. I think people are just scared of trying something different because like almost every FRC strategy at some point kind of start funnel into the same kind of process. Like send the defense robot over and then run triple or double offense. Mm-hmm. But like that's that that's always my thing. It's like you could probably beat us if you ran three, you know, ran triple offense. And this is my other thing, which kind of comes down to it. Um, and this is more this if we're coming back to to topic card. Um. So for for a drive coach, right, like, I've always maintained that the cognitive load of a drive coach is ridiculous, because you have two and a half minutes, there's six robots on the field, you're having to manage an alliance, and then if something changes, if something changes drastically, there's obviously going to be that, that time where you need to figure out what you need to do. So like, let's take my example of running the triple offense, right. So on 1325, I mean, for the most part, we do plan for the triple offense and sending one robot over. But if you did something ridiculous, like you sent two robots over to play defense on us, and then you ran one robot running offense on that side, I promise you for about 10 seconds of that match, our alliance is gonna be like, what do we do? What's happening? Because there's gonna be that time for the drive coaches to A, realize something changed, and B, what do we do? How do we counter this? And even, cause like first match is only two and a half minutes long. If you do something whack, if you do something completely crazy, there's going to be that reaction time of us trying to figure out what's going on. Even if we do figure out what's going on within 10 seconds and figure out the counter, that's still 10 seconds of us not really reacting to anything. And that's just the human part of robotics. Right.
2: You see see it at every level of team. Yeah. Um, No. Yeah. Good. Like like we saw it even when we would verse uh, like 2056 and one of the best teams in Ontario, right. Um, If we, if we were able to surprise them, it. uh, it shifts their game plan a little bit and it throws them off for a couple seconds.
1: Yeah, totally. And like every every drive coach will face this. I don't think there's any real solution. No matter how much practice you have, if you do something completely outside of the box, um, they're, they're going to struggle to, to identify what's going on and how to counter it. I think we had this a couple of times. <laughs> it's always 188. It's always 188. <laughs> um, but I remember 188, like we were playing 188 in, in in that district championship run, they were going to, we, we were predicting that they were gonna be our hardest scale battle of our division basically. Um, so we were gonna go up against them in semis and we were, we were planning, we were like, okay, we could lose it, the scale to them. Um, so a lot of attention was focused around how do we keep scale, how do we ensure that we have enough power-ups ready to go and then get the climb at the end. We went into that match and the 188, for some ridiculous reason, decided to send, I think it was like two robots over to come and take our switch. And they didn't even touch scale after autonomous. And even for us, like we were with 2056, it took us about 10 seconds to really understand what was going on. And then probably another five seconds on top of that to figure out the counter. And in that moment, like we were still running the scale plan, right? Um, So we had two robots running there. They were taking our switch and it was like, I mean, I'll be honest, it was was kind of a mess. So that's an awesome example of them doing something completely out of the box, something completely different. Um, and I mean, I think we did end up winning that match in the end, but it wasn't by a lot. So yeah, case study right there. Um, I guess kind of at my expense of, of, how, to, of how to counter strategies like that. Um, yeah, moving on to yeah, direct, still drive coaches, um, managing the whole alliance. So this, I think this depends on the kind of robot you built and, and kind of where you're sitting. Um, but on 1325 the drive coach's real job mostly is to manage the alliance. Um, it's not so much to be managing the drivers because usually the drivers are more than capable of running running a specific play on their own. Um, and it's just making sure the alliance isn't getting in their own way. So making sure that they're clearing space for each other, they're well choreographed. So like for example, if there's a one designated spot to pick up a game piece, you want to ensure that the offset or the cycles are offset such that you never really have three robots trying to get a game piece at the same time. Um, so that's really really where your where your job lies and then also managing things when stuff changes when a robot goes down um, how to handle penalties when they're coming in um, and, and you know especially things like that um, yeah <laughs> I won't do anything more about the penalties thing in case any you know judge is watching this but um, yeah 1325 definitely we try and maximize our score um, and maximize our per- percentage to win every time and often a really big part of that is just making sure the alliance is following the plan not getting in their way um, and then, yeah, the last part is just making making uh, adjustments on the fly. Um, cool, and then the, the less glamorous part of being a drive coach is, you know, you gotta motivate. Um, a really big part of it is, like, making sure the drive the team stays upbeat, um, making sure they still have energy, um, making sure they're hydrated, um, not losing them, and, uh, yeah, making sure the robot makes it out of a practice match in one piece, so. Yeah, Corb, you were the worst with this, man. You always mm. want to go, like, all out in practice match number one. <laughs> it,
2: <laughs> it wasn't me. The robot yeah. fell apart on its own. It wasn't me.
1: Uh-huh. Dude, I remember one match, you were like, yo, I'm going to solo a rocket in our first practice match. Yeah. <sighs> on, on 1325, at least, we, you know, we try and minimize the risk to the machine. So I talked I talked about this earlier about um, we're totally willing to break a machine for performance. Um, in order to win the match. But I mean, when the win isn't on the line, so this could be in a practice match or this could even be during a match. Um, you know, we can go for, a, if we're comfortably in the lead, um, we can go for a climb a little bit early to, you know, risk less damage on the machine. Um, so yeah, in practice matches, I was all tell Corb, I'd be like, the goal of the practice match is to test out all of our functionality, making sure the robot's behaving the same way that it was behaving in the practice, in our practice facility. Um, but man, Corb, you always wanted to just like go all out. <laughs>
2: It, 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 you tell me it's not practice for me. <laughs> oh man.
1: But yeah, um, yeah, thirteen twenty-five, especially like come practice matches. We're never really the drivers. Never really practicing, right, Corb? It's a little more like. <laughs> hopefully, by yeah, then yeah. we're at a point where you know you're good to go.
0: I'd like to thank Bilal and Corbin for sharing, as usual, such great stories and feedback. They'll be picking it off where they left in this episode in an all-new episode of It's a Paradox next Monday. If any of our viewers have questions or feedback, don't hesitate to reach out through the contact options listed in the description of this podcast. Thank you for tuning in and listening. See you in the next episode.